Welcome to Marketproof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have Andrew Peak. And go. guys, I'm sorry this week if you hear something that sounds like it might be a lawnmower um, might. as we're recording this podcast. <laughs> it might be. It's a lawnmower. <laughs> I uh, I do have uh, foam uh, insulation and stuff on the walls for podcasting and audio use, but it doesn't stop the John Deere um, industrial oh. strength mower, apparently. Nice. So. And it snowed yesterday in Columbus. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it so. snowed yesterday. So I'm not sure why they're mowing the lawn. What is up with um, that? That's crazy. But they are. So Man. let's, uh, Andrew, we've got so many things to cover. We do. Uh, a lot of news. Hop in. A lot of news. Let's hop into story time first, though, because uh, these are these are good ones, too. But yeah, just a heads up. We've got uh, eight plus news articles that we tried Ooh. to think about how to cut some of these out. They're all important. Um, so and interesting. We're going to cover them. Yeah, and there's then we'll no see how time goes, if we'll we'll do a 360 topic this week or not. But let's let's dive in and, and get going. Cool. Yeah, let's get going. Here's my fun story. And this was all this is real stories, which is which I think is obvious. But so on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter, I, I put my favorite meme up, which is Dimitri finds out. And if you're not familiar with it, Google it and you can get the whole background on it if you're really into that sort of thing. Um, but anyways, a builder partner sent over some professional photos and I was super excited because because before I was run, running renderings on Facebook ads for a while, and I know they just don't work as well, but that's what they had. So that's what we had uh -huh. to use. So, you know, renderings is better than nothing. But then if you, if you have something built and you have professional photos, definitely use those. So here's the real life results of the metrics as far as before and after. This is like the same week. So the variables really aren't much different. Um, spend is about the same. So for this, um, we went from a CPM of $11. So that's how many impressions, you know, the cost per 1000 impressions down to $8. Um, the click through rates went from 6% to 9%. And then the cost per click went from $1.50 down to 94 cents, um, which is super cool. Yeah, I was like, this like doubles, it, it's not double, but say like a, what's that, 60%? It's a third, it's 30, yeah. yeah, 30% on the cost uh, mm -hmm. savings of, of 30, 33%, which is huge. Yeah, which is, uh, in my mind, it's super easy to justify spending that. Because if we're going to spend, say, in total on this community, I don't know, $20,000 in marketing over the course of the lifetime of the community, using the renderings the whole time versus professional photos right. it's like we'll sell out quicker we'll get more leads quicker we'll sell more homes quick like everything is just in favor of just spend the money even if you pay a premium to get it done um it it will help so the content is the gift that keeps on giving it does and to your point it makes the ad um more effective but when you mm -hmm. also have that content even larger sized images videos, et cetera, on your own website, then that, again, it gets people emotionally excited enough to want to fill out that contact form or pick up the phone and call or text or chat or whatever. Yep. So it does double duty. It is well worth the investment. So get it done. Get them done. Any stories this week? Yeah. Well, you know, I had repressed this memory until we oh, mentioned no. it on last week's podcast about the extreme home makeover incident. So this is just, this is pure story. There's there's a little bit of takeaway here for you, but it's mostly just an, a fun okay. story to share nice. now that I remember it happening. So I think the year was about 2004, two, nah, probably 2004, 2005. And um, 
we received notice that a community that we were still building in, I believe um, there was a home that uh, Ty Pennington had done the <laughs> review on <laughs> for the show and said, we can't fix this house. Oh, no. Now, the story behind yes. the story was it's bad. the homeowner, it was a it was a split level home. And what that means is there were uh, a large amount of steps to go through the front door. And so you actually walked into the, you know, kind of the second floor of the house and it was a quote unquote basement, but it was above grade. So um, gotcha. that space was unfinished. The builder I worked for um, initially was a first time home buyer targeted builder. And so that meant the price point of this home was very low um, mm -hmm. because you got a lot of square footage, although half of it was unfinished. So. The story behind the story is that the homeowner had finished the basement on their own mm. uh, using somewhat apparently shoddy craftsmanship. And so when the episode actually aired, everything that they showed, because for sure we didn't have DVRs back then, I don't think, at least I didn't, but I, I hooked up a way to record it and on a VHS tape, I'm sure. <laughs> um, nice. But nice. watching that episode back, it was like every shot that Ty said, look at this crazy work. Uh, I can't believe the builder would do this. It's like, well, we, we didn't because we didn't we had the records. We didn't finish that basement on that house. But regardless, the uh, publicity, of course, all the other builders in town yeah. mm. knew who it was. The The style of construction of this builder, we always had curved archways on the interior of the house, which was a telltale signal that it was built by us, which was kind of a good branding angle potentially but in terms of this case when you saw that on television and you saw those uh, curved arches which are not common in the midwest by the way very common where you live andrew right and mm -hmm. you did see him florida and the south quite a bit but everyone was like i know who built that house and they just tore it down and it's and it's i think it was less than five years old at the time wow and built a new one so you're still building in that neighborhood right yeah and uh, again, back then, newspapers were still the predominant form of advertising. But guess who was running stories about the <laughs> house being torn down? So, of oh, course, no. the, the the person selling the advertisement was like, well, that's in the news section and we don't have any, you know, can't do anything about that. But you can control the ad in the in the home and garden section. And so that's, you know, two different audiences and don't worry about it. But I just that um, extreme example Man. of, you know, it was something I couldn't control, right? It was nothing at all, nothing that I can do. And and now it's a blessing and a curse that it happened back then for that builder, because if it happened now, the virality of that could have gone on for who knows how long. Oh, geez. Forever. Right. Uh, no one's digging up their VHS tapes. I haven't looked. Uh, maybe I will real quick right now. Uh, I'm going to search for. Uh, I'm not going to say you X builder, X builder, extreme home makeover, Ohio. That would be. Great. I don't think anyone's recorded it off their VHS tape. Um, oh, it was 2012. Man, time flies. <laughs> no, that's when it was posted. It, oh, it, it, was, it was published. Oh, OK. Yeah. But it, it happened back in 2004, 2005. So there's like a five minute clip there. on it that's on YouTube. But. So that that's the blessing of it didn't have. But at the same time, back then, again, the only place I had to counteract that bad press was in the paper or in a billboard or on radio or on television. And not that it even would have been a good idea to do more of that, to, no. but, but just the ability to be part of the conversation. There's no way for us to listen in and hear what people are saying or thinking or it was just kind of like cross your fingers and hope that it all goes away. Essentially, Definitely. you couldn't 
Do you, you remember? Couldn't comment back. Do you remember if it affected sales? At the time, do you uh, remember it, if there it, was it, like it did not affect sales. It affected the salespeople's psyche. Oh yeah, um, could imagine. So of course, you know, they're like, "What do we say?" If of course everyone's going to bring it up, and they, and some people did, but for the most part, it did not affect sales yeah. at the time. Now, double whammy for the sales team's psyche is in the same year. Um, we also lost a multi-million dollar lawsuit for mold um, causing health issues for, okay. for a family. So uh, it was not a, the best year to be a marketer uh, in in Columbus for that for that particular builder. But again, I just go back to there's no way for us to get our own story out of, hey, the basement was the problem and we didn't build the basement. Uh, whereas nowadays you could at least if you thought that was a good strategy, Yep. You could communicate the facts of the story so. somehow. Wow, that's a good story. I'm going to shove that one back in my <laughs> repressed memory because that was not a not, not a fun time. Uh, actually, no, one other a, thing, Andrew, that happened. Oh, it keeps getting worse. Uh, well, no, this is just uh, one day. We're just going to tell stories about all the terrible things that have ever happened in my career. But um, we had a homeowner uh, actually picket our model for over a week. Um, and then we had another neighborhood, you know, where three or four homeowners all put signs up in their yard saying, don't buy from them. But again, just I know some people listening to this have to deal with versions of that. But to actually have a real human being kind of standing just outside of your model home with a sign saying, don't buy from these people. Yeah, that's crazy. Again, so much of being a great marketer is attaching yourself to a great product. And I'm not saying that they didn't have a great product, but there were obviously issues happening at the time there um, for, for that particular builder. And at the end of the day, you know, we don't we, we can we can try to control the narrative and the story for to a point. But then the public decides ultimately what what your brand story is. That's right. The public does decide. All right. On to the uh, news. Yeah. On to the news. On to Again, the news. we've got a ton. So we're going to we're going to take the appropriate time for each of these. But there there are quite a few important pieces this week to, to talk through. Definitely. So I'll get started on this first one. This one is from searchengineland.com. And they had a, a partner do a really big study on how I'd say this out loud and it's like, duh, um, how reviews improve paid search conversion rates. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's important. But they had like, I think it was 93 million impressions, a significant amount of spend. I mean, 93 million impressions. I'm sure it was. I don't even know how much is that half a million dollars. Not short, but they put the numbers out and here I'll just read them to you because it makes sense. So businesses in the lowest grouping had an average 3.3 stars and their conversion rate on average was 10 and a half percent. This is for just a phone call or a lead. The best uh -huh. segment had an average of four. And not specifically for home builders. Correct. Right? So yeah, 10%. This is Everyone all, calm down. All local. <laughs> this is, not yeah, this is anything. This is plumbers. This is um, there might be builders and there might be realtors in there. There might be. Um, lawn mower companies in there who knows it's it's yeah. anyone running ads through this big agency uh -huh. and then the better segment were people that had on average a 4.96 star rating and their conversion rate was 12.8 percent so we're kind of 10 and a half percent versus 13 percent to make the numbers easy so that makes sense reviews are important uh -huh. and that's just based on the quality of reviews and then you know the quantity and then the next part, which this is good, because uh, this gives hope to the people that maybe they are stuck with. They have a few people that left one out of five star um, reviews. Businesses with the highest response rate. So you go into Google and you respond to the reviews. Um, 
saw an average conversion rate of 13.86%. Businesses with the low response rate had a lower conversion rate of 10.5% per lead. For not per lead. That but, is interesting. That, but the spend. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me, first of all, that the 4.9 stars compared to the 3.3 is only, you know, that first number, 2% uh, better. Yep. Uh, that's, that's actually 20%, but, you know, 10.4 versus 12.8. Mm -hmm. They, I wish they would have broken it down like maybe one, like what was visible because 4.96 really isn't a, you don't see that. Right. You see four and a half or you see five or you see four, you know, that type mm -hmm. of star rating, like, or even two versus four stars. That would have been, yep. I think a little better. But I think builders that we talk to oftentimes are freaking out because they have a three star rating as opposed to a five. I think and again, common. not that... Mm -hmm. You don't want to have a plan in place and work with partners who can help you do that and, and have a process to get reviews and encourage reviews. But it's also like it, it doesn't it's not as scary as it, it might seem at first rate. Yeah. Yeah. Ten and a half versus twelve point eight. You really I mean, you could feel that if you have like really big numbers and you're super nerdy on it. But I don't think most will actually see a difference because you'll have each community will have a different conversion rate each submarket will convert differently mm -hmm. so it will just be different all across the board if you're on the extreme end i think if you're like one out of five and it, you have 31 out of five reviews then i think you'll probably see some type of effect yeah. um, but like you said the takeaway is respond those to people who yep. simply responded and paid attention yep had a better conversion rate and we see the same thing on Facebook ads, right? The more engagement that a builder or a representative from the builder makes with people on an ad that's running or an organic post, the more that people understand there's someone paying attention, mm -hmm. the, the, the more interaction you get. In this case, the interaction is a conversion, uh, potentially, not just uh, more engagement. But that's, that is, that is that's great to know and, and helps give you a data point if you're struggling potentially about having enough staff to manage. And we're going to talk about staffing at the question of the week. Um, but if you're having a hard time, you work for a larger builder justifying um, an additional headcount, you know, when you combine Facebook ads and Google reviews and all these places where your consumers are spending time and attention and in many cases commenting or asking a question or reviewing, you know, not responding to that. It, it's certainly bad from a customer experience standpoint. But it's also what you're showing here is it's also bad from a conversion standpoint. Definitely. And I think it's important on those um, when you do respond to reviews, especially if they're negative, to have like a real answer, because I think people see through it easily if it's, oh, that's just a canned response they're apologizing. But if it's something where they're like, oh, OK, that completes the story because they're really reading a story of like, OK, here's this crazy person possibly leaving a terrible review. Maybe they're they have their reasons. And then they get the other side of the story, which is the, the business. Yeah. And they just want that to see like, oh, OK, it was resolved. I'll move on. It doesn't. And count. I, I think that's in that's that I have a feeling that, of course, you're right. However, it doesn't say that in here. And it I doesn't. also would guess that if they spent, you know, how much money did you say on these ads? Oh, geez. Well, it's 90, million 93 million impressions on search. Wow. However, we could backwards so, that. Oh, let's see if they gave a number. That's kind of like a. Uh, for those of you who get the inside joke here, that's kind of a Walmart number. That's it. Right. In terms of just mm -hmm. it's going to be the big fat middle average of everything, yep. most likely with that many impressions. So I guarantee you that um, simply responding, even with a canned, <laughs> most of those probably are canned, I guess is what I'm saying. I can see that. Um, 
if you take the average business, they're probably not doing a great job of responding. True. Either. Very true. So, yeah, good insights. But that doesn't mean what you said isn't isn't still a best practice yeah. for sure. We need more info on this. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Number two, this is also from uh, search engine land. And this will be a quick one, but it's a theory I've had for a while um, that Google will be turning their search results page on mobile into a more Facebook or Instagram experience where there's a feed. So what Google is doing, they're testing a more results button at the bottom. So instead of like right now, if you go on your desktop and, and most likely on your mobile, you'll go down and it's like next page and it shows like one through 10 or one through 20 pages, depending on like what, what they decide mm -hmm. to show that they now they're showing or they're testing, showing a more results button, like a big button, the size of your phone, you know, like three inches across. Which I think is pretty cool because mm -hmm. then it's I think what they're looking at, does that increase the time on there? Does that increase visibility to like the second page results? And will, will people get trained to just like, hey, you could keep going. And these are, quote, just as good as what's on the first page. And I would imagine that mm -hmm. that would give like another opportunity for ads to load, just like the second page does, um, which could mean there's more impressions available, more clicks available on Google search, maybe. Yeah, or if it, it could also be the opposite and it might just make those ads at the top even more mm -hmm. valuable if they're, if they're yep. not. If they don't you know. reshow. You always wonder, yep. yeah, if, if how much they're, do they have a problem with not having enough inventory to show or, and ads become too expensive or do they think they, they have room to move up on mobile? Cause that's where everyone wants to spend their money yep. anyway. Um, you know, think about mobile first and, all of the usage there, but that is interesting. I'm surprised I didn't just go with a lazy loader too, one that just always loads continually versus having a button I at all. Know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Other than other than like the only my idea is like if they don't break it up like the content or the layout of what it is, like well, it'll just be infinite, the same thing over and over. Blue text, a couple lines underneath, next listing, blue text, the headline. Like, do they need yeah. something to break it up so that you could actually? digest it but that i think that'd be cool to like if you type in on google um new homes i'll just do for here new homes tampa bay and then it brings up like the ads at the top and then listings and then you start to see images of the search results combined with the description i think that'd be that'd mm -hmm. be very cool maybe they'll get there I yeah and i guess the lazy loader you know the one downside to that if you've ever had to fight um like on facebook every once in a while i'll want to get to the footer and every time it it I get there, it pushes up and loads. And when you do a search on Google at the bottom of your search, it, it usually shows you other related mm -hmm. searches that might help you get to what you want. And you'd probably never be able to get there yep. if it just kept loading. That's true. So what do I know anyway? What, right? what do you know? You can work at Google. Oh, man. No. Hey, speaking of Walmart. Walmart. Hey, how did Walmart make the list? How did, this is crazy. Um, I saw this the other day. Um, it was actually, I think it was yesterday morning. I'm like, oh, that's neat. Um, so Walmart is launching what they're calling check out with me. Super, super cool. <laughs> and these people wear like a they have like this ribbon across their chest. So it's obvious. But what it is, is just mobile checkout. So ribbon like a uh, beauty pageant. Beauty ribbon. pageant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Walmart 2018 Florida. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is I don't know if it's the same up there in Ohio, but down here, the Walmarts really try to compete with. Um, Home Depot and Lowe's on the, hey, let's remulch our flower beds and they'll have like five for 10 or six for 10 for like the different mulch types. 
But with Walmart, it compared to like Home Depot or, or Lowe's, it's more difficult to actually get that and take it inside because they don't have the big carts. It's just super inconvenient. So I think that this is the reason behind that. Let me actually say what it is. So they have the mobile checkout and there'll be these people will be in lawn and, gar lawn and garden section of, of Walmart and you can just check it out right there. So you could really, in theory, pull up your car and say, hey, I want five of those. And you, they just ring you up right there and then they throw it in your car and you're on your way. Um, which is OK, great. so it's like the Apple Store system. Correct. Yeah. You just they just point at it and have a weird banner across their chest. I know. Did you see the <laughs> okay. picture? I don't know if you loaded, loaded it. Yeah, up it's hilarious. It's, uh, that's terrible. I know. That's just terrible marketing. Check out with it's me. the it's everything about it is cheesy and sounds okay. terrible. And he has it. So what's that movie office space um, where they have flair at the restaurant and this guy and from Walmart has all these buttons, which is. Oh, my. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> they put a lot of thought in this picture. They make it look like it's candid, but there's no way this is like they spent hours thinking about how can we get these people to pose to have the best picture? Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Just yeah, making so, it easier to buy, essentially, mm -hmm. is, the, is what they're doing. And trying to compete with, you know, Amazon rolling out their test store where you don't even have to check out at all. It's just yeah, watching cool. you and and. Cool and tracking what's being added into your cart. Mm -hmm. Anything we can do to reduce friction is almost always going to be a good thing. Um, but man, I just feel like retailers don't get it. Um, I, the, the grocery store near us, you know, they have the service where you can shop online and you can pull up and uh, mm -hmm. they pull out everything in your cart or in your car for you. And of course, there's also home delivery services. Those usually have some small charge attached to them. Yep. Uh, but this grocery store got so smart. They said, man, everyone wants to do this pickup thing. And so now after having it be a free service for the past year, they've started saying that if you, to, to reserve a pickup time, you have to spend like five dollars or something. And who cares? It's five dollars. But yeah. just that mentality. When, when, my, when Melanie told me that, That's I was crazy. just like, are they trying to make themselves go out of business? I mean, yeah, that is goofy. Yes, Amazon has Amazon Prime fees, but they're smart enough to know that we're only going to charge you that fee once a year because a once a year fee, it feels different than a monthly fee. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think I, I don't even think about the Prime membership. I don't know when it hits my card. I don't I've, even. I agree. I'm the same. I've but no I know idea. when I get charged for Netflix and I know when I get charged for, you know, when any other monthly monthly service mm -hmm. that I use. So definitely it's just these retailers don't get it. Good, good luck to all of you. I good hope. Luck. Amazon puts you out of business. <laughs> oh, man. Same here. Same here. Speaking of reducing friction Ooh, in friction. purchasing. Ooh. This one, this one seems like it's monumental, but I'm not really sure. Um, so I really want to get your thoughts on this one, Kevin. It is Zillow's. What are they calling it? iBuyer instant offer program where you could put in and it's only I think it's only in Phoenix and Las Vegas. They're essentially doing a. Um, they're just flipping the home, essentially. Right. They're like, here, we'll give yeah, you so 200,000 and then they'll mm -hmm. turn around and sell it themselves for 215, 220, um, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. But you could get the instant offer and you don't have to get your home ready for sale. All this stuff. I'm sure they they still have to inspect it, all that stuff. So it's not like you're like selling something that wouldn't pass inspection, all this stuff, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, it's, it's but there's already competitors like this, not as well known. So I think that's the bigger bigger, mm -hmm. bigger and they, issue. They, they tested this program with one of those people who was actually uh, a partner at our summit last year. Offerpad um, mm -hmm. sponsored the, the cocktail reception at the online sales and marketing summit in uh, in Phoenix. And 
great service. I mean, the ability to get an instant offer within, you know, I think it was 48 hours uh, on your home. They took care of all repair costs. Uh, they gave you a free moving service if it was a local move or X amount of dollars towards a moving service. Okay. The biggest thing was you could delay your closing on your existing house for up to nine months. So in a new construction scenario, you don't have to move twice. You wait for the six months for your home to be built. You close, you have a single move. So there's a ton of things that people like about it at the end of the day. And, and Spencer even talks about this in Zillow talk, uh, a book that he co-wrote with the um, chief economist at Zillow, whose name escapes me, but you know, he's like, Hey, anytime where there's uh, something that is expensive that is bought infrequently, you're going to have this need to get reassurance from some other source. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the bank that Zillow is going after is, Hey, you've been using us. You're more familiar with us. Like you said, Andrew, and so a service called OfferPad or Open Door, these other ones, you're like, okay, that sounds nice. I don't know that I trust True. these companies. Yeah. And, and that might be one angle. And if you go, I just, um, I just did a I quick think, search on one of the competitors. I won't say the name, um, but they do serve my area. <laughs> and they have a 2.2 rating on Google. So as far as like that trust that you just brought up, like that's like a like, whoa, yeah. that's a big turnoff because you're thinking I'm selling my home and they have a 2.2 rating. Like this is crazy. Uh, no, thank you. Um, so... They need to they need to check on that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Zillow has, in theory, anyway, more and better data than anyone else on uh, the real Mm -hmm. estate marketplace um, and what buyers and sellers are looking for and and how they're behaving. So they they should have a leg up on their competition there, Uh, but they were already testing it out. So obviously they saw something that they liked. And I have two theories that one, the stock market in general, hated this idea because it's very capital intensive. Um, I don't know the exact number, but the real estate market in the U.S. every year transactions something over one point trillion or one point two, one point three trillion dollars. A lot of money. So even if Zillow throws, you know, 20 billion at it uh, to try to capture a huge percentage of the market, um, they're still going to be, you know, they're, they're not going to be controlling the large portion. So, but I think they're hedging their bets that this lack of uh, friction in the in the selling experience um, might become a trend. And so they'll already have um, processes and, and awareness of how to do it should it continue to gain traction. But I think the bigger thing is people love the idea of this kind of a program more than they actually execute on it. Um, I yeah, I agree. I could imagine the conversation. And this is my mind compared to new homes i'm thinking why does why does selling and buying an existing home um have to be complicated and maybe that's what zillow is going like why does it have to this have to be such a crazy process that takes months and months and months maybe their their end goal is like hey you could just transact across zillow buy a home sell your home by the end of this week next week buy a home by the end of that week and now you're done Versus this, we have mm-hmm. our home listed. We have to clean it every day, ready. We don't know when a showing's going to take place. Our realtors don't give us like an hour notice because we really want to sell it. We have to have that availability, all those things. Maybe they're like, hey, it shouldn't be like that. Well, yeah, there, there's know. no doubt that the, the bigger That's part the, of the friction is selling your existing home, not buying the new one. You know, you, you know, you mm-hmm. like it when you know you like it. And so that part's done in your mind. It's OK. Now I've got this other problem with this existing home. But so I think the other part of it is. Uh, Open Door at one point had shared a stat with us uh, last year when we were talking to them that somewhere, I believe, around 20 to 30 percent of the people who actually 
begin kind of beyond just that initial conversation with them, they did end up going to um, through through the program with them. So that's that's still a large number. Yeah, but it's not the majority. And so what happens to those other other people who aren't is for Zillow, they will still be leads for the for their agents. And so that's how Zillow is going to make this work is they're going to team up with premier agents who will actually facilitate the transactions. Um, I would imagine at some point at a lower percentage so that Zillow can get um, a larger cut. But so for Zillow, it's just getting the lead in, you know, essentially, again, 100 percent of those people who are interested in it and inquire become a lead of some sort, whether they ultimately go become, uh, you know, instant purchase for Zillow or not. They become a lead uh, for their agents or agents that they partner with. So so Zillow does not lose. I I don't see how they lose, except (laughs) for they did lose a billion dollars in value in the stock market at the announcement. Um, So that that wasn't great. Well, those those but, numbers are made up, right? No. <laughs> yeah. And what is the stock market? What do investors know anyway? <laughs> so, know? I, I say go for it, Zillow. Go for All it. Right, you got it. the consumer trust and and they're they're going there now. So you should try to leverage it all you can. Um, That's right. All do right. It. Do it to it. Back to good old Facebook. Oh, Facebook. the next article. This, this is fun. And I read this one. And so what it is, is Facebook reportedly wants to use AI to predict your future. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really amazing. And then I'm like, are they aren't they already doing this? Kind mm-hmm. of like if as far as the way they this is just another way to say they let you target people who are doing things on on Facebook. And it's like, OK, like so let's say Andrew Peake likes. Um, Siamese cats and I want to get one. I, I really don't, but let's say, let's say I did, I'd probably be on different cat pages and liking the things related to cats and commenting about cats. So they're pre- kind of predicting my future that Andrew might be in the market for a Siamese cat. So are they doing that? So I, I don't know if the article just didn't explain that thoroughly as far as like, oh, they're going a step previous to that, which I think is what they're trying to do. But what would that be like that would like, OK, Andrew's going to get a cat. That means beforehand he is looking at X, Y, Z or let's say to our industry. What do people do before they're going to move or mm-hmm. buy a new home? Yeah. Um, and I totally this goes right into what I was saying about using the Facebook pixel is if if they're getting the data from that in one, we already talked about, you know, I think they're going to use that data to as the custom audience stuff or the uh, partner categories and third party data targeting options go away. They'll be able to bring that over almost as if nothing happened at some point. And they haven't announced yeah. it yet, but I, I'm pretty sure they will. And all this is saying to me is that the AI is going to be so good that we'll be able to look at behaviors that occur before they go to Zillow, before they go somewhere else. And that again, we've even talked internally about this, Andrew, of yeah. like when people type in uh, searches that don't go to major sites, but might just be, a, you know, things to consider when um looking at homes and it might take you to some no-name blog in the small corner of the internet um if you go on a house and you just are looking at a lot of interior decorating options maybe that Mm -hmm. um can inform you know who who knows what the computer will find but i do you know the the example from the article that i think is they're going to what was that show on tv i never watched it but it was like we're going to stop the crime before it happens because we're going to know there's what the criminal there's a show but then there's also um minority report with tom cruise where mm-hmm. he they yeah i forgot the name of it but they get them before they do something because they know what's going to happen but there's a show where they listen what you're talking about where it's more to this where they they listen around and they figure out what's going to happen 
minutes yeah. before. And like most uh, syndicated television shows, uh, I think it's been canceled anyway, so who cares? <laughs> but the example they give was, say that Facebook tells a client that a system predicts 10,000 people will stop buying a name brand detergent this year. It goes out to all the other detergent advertisers, tells them its prediction, and they all decide not to run Facebook ads. Over the course of the year, Facebook has an incentive to make that prediction come true by tilting what you see in a way that might persuade you not to buy that name brand detergent. So what they're talking about is, you know, one that that like imagine if Facebook sent you an email as a builder and said, we have reason to believe that the number one builder in your marketplace is going to lose brand loyalty or for some reason they're going to take a hit we can see that trend coming maybe they're looking at google review numbers who knows but they announce that to you and then they say hey so would you like to run ads to try to take advantage of that situation yes and that would be the kind of good thing for you isn't it's good for you whenever it Mm -hmm. works your advantage but the fear again going back to all the other stuff that's happened with facebook recently is could they then literally make that prediction come true by slowly not allowing that number one builder in the marketplace to have the same amount of exposure or push articles that might have more negative tone using natural language processing and maybe the more, hey, we don't know if we'd like this builder or not, or this builder sucks articles get get more exposure. That obviously would be a, a big there problem. Needs, yes. But there's no doubt mm-hmm. that, that, um, coming. that yeah. is what you're saying. There's very uh, dystopian. It's I feel like there needs to be a movie. Uh-huh. Can social media and this is, I guess, what we're really talking about is can it influence the future and or like, hey, we're going to do this. And this was what will make happen. Um, like, hey, we'll plant this idea, which is what's that movie? Inception, essentially Inception through Facebook <laughs> to buy from X, Y, Z or uh-huh. something like that. Um, that is some crazy stuff. And we're throwing all kinds of references today. But so you have a lot of movies to watch this weekend. Inception and Minority, Re- Minority Report. It's it's like uh, Oprah it. Winfrey and the secret movement, too. You know, we, and there's a thousand different versions of, you know, you become what you think about. And we've already known from tests that if you're friends with more overweight people on Facebook, you are more likely to have extra weight on your own body as a result of it. So we those studies have been out for, for years and it's it's definitely true that uh, Zuckerberg mentioned it several times in his Senate, Senate testimony that they are going to use AI and especially predictive AI to prevent ads from being run that are, quote unquote, hurtful, harmful or discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no doubt that they are banking on AI to have a big impact. And it's not just going to be on Facebook's end. Um, it, everyone will be using that same technology. Uh, once it's it's pretty cool i i think i might move into a cabin in the middle of the woods by myself well the question is <laughs> before we get to the next one andrew is how much would you pay if an ai could tell you there is a 90 percent certainty that this person is going to buy a home between 300 and 400 thousand dollars in the next two weeks how much would you pay to reach that person that's that's worth quite a bit if you work the numbers backwards as far as your cost per sale in your marketing um if you have that down then you go oh i could if 90%, so if say if one, not even 90%, what would that be? Yeah, 90%. Um, you could spend a lot on that single person if you're only losing, quote, 10% of the time. Yeah, then it becomes, again, that this be is where lot. marketing and sales are, are forever linked. Is it matters how good your team is at converting yep. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. which goes back to not just yep. their, their own skills, but the product and price and place and all those other pieces. But um, I do th- kind of 
get a general sense, I made it this graphic a long time ago, that marketing has become more and more and more important in the sales funnel or the, or the customer journey. Um, because now the consumer is interacting and with all the marketing materials and messaging and websites for much longer before they ever get to the sales rep. And so in terms mm -hmm. of amount of importance, it's not, not the sales are less important, but in terms of visibly how much time is being spent with marketing versus sales, less so. I think, I think once this stuff really sees the light of day, we're going to swing back the other way around and it's going to be just incredibly important because as marketers, we're only going to be able to afford to reach now a smaller pool of people who are, in theory, more qualified and ready to purchase. But that's going to put even yep. more onus on the salespeople to deliver. Um, so interesting. They better get they better get ready for some pressure. Those were expensive. <laughs> yeah, because salespeople have no pressure right I now, know. especially not <laughs> on the last two days of the month, and then on the first day of the month when everything gets erased and you start from zero. You have zero. <laughs> you have done nothing. Oh, this man. month you've done nothing. Yeah, nothing. Mm -hmm. Terrible, terrible. Oh man. Uh, the next one. Let's see here. Here we are um, by Marketing Land. So this one is pretty cool. This is. So I don't I don't use an ad blocker. Kevin, do you use an ad blocker? I do not. I want to see what all these marketers are trying to do to me. I know that. Would, <laughs> could you imagine if you were if you <laughs> did marketing and advertising and you did if you had an ad blocker, that'd be really crazy. That would be you'd never see an ad. It'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so there is the um, this this product. I guess it's a product. So it's Google. It's in within Chrome. It it's displays like a pop up. It's called funding choices. It displays a pop-up on publishers' websites. So these are sites that have the Google code on there, which lets ads be shown on the website. And it just says, hey, we noticed you're using an ad blocker. We use ads to fund the creation of content. So the goal with this is just to limit the negative effects of people running ad blockers. That, that makes sense? Because I don't, I don't, no one's a publisher. Well, um, that's probably listening to this. I would think. Yeah, so no here's, one sells ads on their site. here's why this was created is they said, hey, we're going people who are using these terrible pop ups to show ads or to get extra clicks. Um, we don't we want the users to have good experience. And so we are going to punish you um, if you don't if you use those practices. Well, as yeah. expected, ad revenues went down for all these large content aggregators and publishers. Mm -hmm. And so they screamed to Google and Google said, okay, we'll help you out by creating this option that if you're using our service, you can have this pop-up say, Hey, just so you know, um, we notice you're using an ad blocker and, and the, that's how these guys make their money. If you want this to continue, yep. would you like to support them? And so I think the silver lining to this story is again, um, the importance of content is if you have good content and not Here's, I think, a key to not just that you're curating good content, but that you are adding your own perspective, uh, thoughts or mm -hmm. voice to that content like we're doing here on the podcast. Um, that's where the value is. And that's what people are willing. In this case, it says they're willing to click the button and say, yeah, let's let's let it happen. Because we, we want these guys to be able to be funded. Uh, and so. Uh, what was the percentage that said, yeah, go ahead and show the ad you said? Oh, um, I don't know the exact percentage, but no, it was it was high. The way it's worded is very like it's here's what it is. We use ads to fund the creation of content. So it's like, oh, OK, that seems nice. I'll do that. Sure. Why not? I'll let. And it's you're opting in for that website. 
So let's say you, you run an ad blocker because you're on sites that have terrible ads and that's just <laughs> where you navigate. I haven't really had that experience recently on, on the interwebs. So you're, you're just saying, OK, I'll allow this website because I like them to show ads to me. Yep. And so that, again, so people ad blockers have been around for a long time. But in February, when Google said we're going to essentially start blocking them ourselves, that's when people really freaked out and they created this tool. And and so, that yeah, I mean, just since May, when they put this into effect, they're saying that over 4.5 million people have selected to allow ads to be shown, resulting in an additional 90 million paying page views where there's revenue coming in from an ad being shown. So that's that's good. That's a lot of um, if you if you think like each page might have five ads on it, if it's mm -hmm. of length. So 450 million individual impressions available as far as yeah. inventory. Yep. That's that's neat. That's pretty that's cool. real money, as they say. That, that's real money. Google likes that real money. And then the publishers, you know, they get a they get a percent of that, of, of course. Man, another one. Here's another one. Uh, Google launches outstream. That's the word outstream ads to boost video reach beyond YouTube. So this is a first. And maybe this it, we run YouTube ads, mostly remarketing, but sometimes in market segments. But this would allow you to target those same t people outside of YouTube, mm -hmm. but with the video. And it, it's just in the same spot as other ads um, for the like the ad size. If it fits the so it's like the horizontal size. Yep. Which is pretty cool because they've never done that before. That's never been YouTube ads outside of YouTube. It's always for people who are on YouTube. So I would expect. Um, the impressions you could get on this and, and the plays on your video to really increase if you've only been running ads on YouTube. If you set up this type of campaign, it's mm -hmm. still a um, it's a video campaign. And then the subtype is called outstream. So you go create campaign video and then outstream ads. And the important thing to note, you're paying per viewable CPM, not the cost per click. So yeah. So you pay, pay to play, cheap. not for results mm -hmm. on, you know, so remarketing it's not, uh, it's not how it works with regular display remarketing, but in this case, the outstream ads are CPM based. And also interesting is, is it reminds me a lot of what we're seeing with Facebook ads showing up, uh, specifically video ads in, in other places. You know, if you use the audiences option as placement for videos, um, they look strikingly similar. So you you obviously get to include your video that, um, as you would expect, but you also get to add your logo, a headline, a description, a final URL, even a thumbnail, if you want to choose a custom thumbnail option. So to me, looking at this little screenshot here, it looks similar to a Facebook ad that's embedded mm -hmm. um, in a website or a news service or an app. Um, I, I see quite a lot of Facebook ads showing up in the USA Today app, for example, when people choose that audience network option. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I think this, just talking about video ads, that first like three seconds, I think is mm -hmm. even more important than ever because now they'll actually they'll see it. So they go to USA, USA Today or whatever other site will be showing these these video ads. If they see like the cool animated logo intro flying in and like effects and all this stuff, they're not really seeing anything. They're just saying, OK, what's this garbage? Like I'll scroll past that. But if they're in the market for home, they're on the your marketing list and they see say it goes straight into like, I don't know what would be cool, like a drone shot flying straight into the home for like a quick 30 second tour of of the model. Or, or something like that, then they might stay more engaged. Like, oh, cool. I haven't seen this yet. Let me watch this for 20 seconds. 
Yeah, That's I don't fun. remember where I'll go back and try to find where I saw this, but um, someone made a really cool graph of storytelling, traditional storytelling versus a storytelling that's needed in a digital format like a Facebook uh, video or YouTube video. And it's essentially, you know, traditional story like a movie, you know, it's a slow build and then you've got the climax of the movie and then the finale or, the mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it wraps up. And it has to be almost the exact opposite, where all the emotional intensity has to be right at the beginning. You know, your best content, your best, you know, catch to just to grab their attention away from all their other choices and then kind of a slow burn uh, through to the end. There's not necessarily another climax moment later. I thought it was really smart. Uh, way to visualize what what the differences are between how and why people mess it up all the time is they think well that's that's how you, you have an introduction you get them hooked and then slowly build 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 and you can't do that yeah it's opposite very nice it's opposite opposite day okay we also um we got a we got some final confirmation today from from facebook this is exciting this is super exciting. Some clarity this is official now, until they change it that's right this was from our uh our facebook rep which i'm really surprised usually when you get anything like this it's a pdf document bringing more accountability to facebook targeting usually they're like they have some disclaimer on it like don't tell anybody about this and whatnot but i couldn't find this elsewhere online which is Super cool. It's essentially the scheduled changes of all the third party targeting. Like so May 11th, advertisers will no longer be able to create, create or edit campaigns containing partner categories that are built on audiences located in the UK, Germany and France. So that doesn't affect us. But then all the way at the end, what was the date here? October 1st, July 1st, July, July, 1st. July, July 1st for new ads in okay, non new ads. European audiences. So that means create targeted ads to your heart's content with third party data until, you know, June 30th, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they will run uh, till October 1st. But as of July 1st, third party targeting of they're saying basically all third party targeting goes away. And you can't do anything with them creation and all edits. So, yeah, you can't edit it. That's that's important. So if you made it on June 30th and it has partner categories you're not allowed to edit it i'm sure you could turn it off but you can't do anything with it so that's interesting but october yeah, 1st they're getting rid of all of it there'll be no no longer which is a while that's still a few months away yep and then uh starting july 1st as well uh you will only be able to upload first party data from your own crm uh into facebook as a custom audience uh I don't know how they're going to prevent you from doing, you know, buying an email list from another provider and uploading I it don't, of data that you'd like. Yeah, I don't know either because all the I think this is Facebook is kind of where all the email providers are like, say, with MailChimp or or other email marketing service like you, you have to disclose like how you got their contact information. And then there's some other services where you can just put in whatever you want. And those are those are shadier. But like the big popular ones, they all have that disclaimer when you upload a, a new list to them. Like, how do they opt mm -hmm. in and all that? So I don't know how, but you could still kind of be gray and get around it. I don't know how Facebook will prove or disprove. I'm sure you can try, um, but I can tell you we're not going to touch it because no. if they catch you doing that, I guarantee, I mean, You're done. <laughs> again, Senate testimony, mm -hmm. Mark had no problem saying, yeah, we just banned them. They can't, you know, they can't advertise anymore. Yep. <laughs> uh, not not messing around with that at all 
and there's no. But you still will be able to upload that first part. Definitely, there's no. I think with our industry, there's no reason to. Um, the only like the big industry where I know like this would be more common is B two B, where it's hard to find the exact targeting. It's more difficult and more expensive. But let's say you you sell like a SaaS service, you know, um, software as a service, and you're selling that, and you could get okay. I need every marketing manager on the East Coast or in New Jersey or or whatever city. You could buy that information and then upload on Facebook, but we don't really do that. So I don't think this. And it's really hard anymore, too. I mean, I'm not a dark web person, so maybe I'm sure you can do this there. Um, but if you go to even most mail um, email brokerage services where that lets you, you know, like you said, kind of self-select the people you're looking for mm -hmm. and buy a list. 99% of them will not give you direct access to the data. They're basically, okay, great. We'll send an email to these people. What email would you like us to send to them? And you've got to send them your creative that you want. And they do it turnkey because they don't want liability for that either. Yeah. yeah it's so this is, so that'll still be there. Mm -hmm. Look like audiences. They're not going to touch at all. Nope. They like it. Um, they like those. Yeah. They encourage those lookalikes. Yeah. Unchanged, unchanged core, core audiences, which is any, mm -hmm. the way I interpret that is any data that they produce themselves. Facebook produces themselves based on what you're doing on Facebook unchanged. Yeah. So on the, on the app or the site itself. Yes. If you're engaging with again, Zillow's Facebook page, um, they will still allow you to to potentially target that information. And um, the biggest things, though, again, just like all that Canada's ever had, pretty much geography, age, uh, male, female, th those kind of basic things will still be in place. Mm -hmm. And we've got some strategies that we're working through already, um, some with Facebook's insight, some on, on our own sneaky um, ideas that that we'll we potentially talk about at the summit. Uh, this fall, if it's started to that's make right. its way public like at it that point. But yeah. For the now, for, for the meantime, that's behind the velvet rope. Uh, not for everyone. So Wizard of Oz. We'll, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. And then again, I th I think all this stuff. I mean, why why pick July? I think by July they're going to have uh, rolled out other things that are going to help with the things that are going away. I really Definitely. do. They still want the ads to work just as good as they have previously before any of these changes. And actually, I'm sure they want it to work better. So everything they have in mind is, is to keep you on their platform and spending more money and as much money as possible yep. while still getting results. Yep. So. And just be sure to check in on your Facebook ads because uh, I was on vacation uh, this past week, spring mm -hmm. break, but Andrew oh, had yeah. the joy of um, the, the chaos that is Facebook oh ad manager right now. It's just crazy. Things being paused randomly, um, being told that certain targeting is not available and then it is available and working fine. And then it's showing that it's not working again. And yeah, it was fun. So just um, probably best practice just to stay on top of that a little bit more uh, than you typically would um, just to make sure that you're not losing, um, you know, a week's worth of impressions if you're running Facebook ads on your mm -hmm. own. Yeah, I would just check it. What I would do just because I this was my I feel like it was almost my whole life Monday through like Thursday. Um, just go in each morning and look at the data from yesterday and make sure it's like in line to what you, you usually do. Um, but yeah, I had it was not much fun. I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? It would it was just totally inconsistent with like this targeting would work. This one wouldn't work. And by work, I mean, show ads, not like the best results. It was just that one's not working anymore. This one is. It, it was crazy. But now everything seems to be normal. 
Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's no break, no music uh, interlude. We're just going straight into the question of the week. And last week we asked what marketing task demands the largest amount of your time and is the return on your time worth it? And we had some uh, entertaining. I think some of these people need to get their own Facebook group. I say that. They do. (laughs) But there there was definitely some back and forth between many people in the group, which was awesome to see. and the general theme before we read the the comments was uh, vendors. Yeah, nothing vendor internal, management. which is crazy. It was it's all external that they're dealing yep. with vendor management. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But- Renee said, I have two. I'll call thorns in my side. Uh, she means vendors following up consistently to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and website maintenance. This shouldn't be the challenge it is. But, you know, um, it has it has been more than it should be. Um, to which I uh, there's a the best example I can give is a company called Fred Signs that did all of our signage work in Pittsburgh. Best customer service ever. Pricing was was fair, but they really they were a true partner. And you got to keep weeding through vendors until you find those right partners. Um, Laura uh, also says dealing with vendors. Most vendors sadly suck, <laughs> and I find myself having to bug them to get things done. Such a waste of my time. Uh, and lots of people asking if Fred Science could, could come work in their um, area as well. And then um, uh, Garrett yeah, like his. Uh, said something a little different. Creating, updating, printed paper collateral. Paper. Most people throw it away. Dunder uh, Mifflin. Yep. So sounds like for the most part, people are saying these things that take up amount of time are not um, a great return on investment. Uh, the best answer goes to the winner this week goes to Martha, who says um, she was so busy getting worked up. She didn't even answer. But bandit signs um, mm. is one just managing that process of weekend directionals. Um, then she says managing getting photos and content also takes a lot of time. But that is 100 percent worth it. And we see that in, in Martha's conversion oh, rates for sure. um, on the website for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the highest of everyone that we work with um, uh, of volume. Uh, e-blast also takes some time, but she thinks those are worth it. And then, like you said, Andrew, the, the last one is third party sites, listing and information. You have to watch it like a hawk. And often I'm the one problem solving rather than, uh, the companies we pay to do it. Um, so Martha, you win for the most detailed answer, um, as well as for interacting jovially with everyone else and making them feel bad about their own problems. So congratulations, Martha. <laughs> Good stuff. We do have the t-shirts in there behind me. You got a whole stack of them. So we'll be shipping those out this weekend to everyone around the world. Very nice. We need a tool that um, maybe I could have a little pet project that can help like on the syndication. I think that we're like Martha was saying, there's no way to check that without checking each one individually, like what pulls up. It'd be nice to have like mm-hmm. a, here's a screenshot, some type. Well, of there are, bot. there are feed validators out okay. there. Um, but the, the one that works the best in that sense is new home feed, um, which does have a, a feed validator will tell you if there are warnings with the content that you've loaded. But if you're feeding new home feed directly with an XML database, you wouldn't see that warning necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're logging in to manually upload that content to see the warnings, then you also probably want to put a bullet in your head because you've got a whole (laughs) lot of extra content to manage. Um, At least the last time that I saw uh, new home feed, I'm sure since Zillow's purchased it, they're they're working on ways to make that program better and easier Mm -hmm. to use. But um, it is it is hard and it's 
that was going to be our 360 topic. We'll, we'll punt on that one for another time. But just why syndication is hard. Um, I put in quotes because it, it actually is. Um, but it also doesn't have to be. And so we'll talk about that on another episode. OK, the new question of the week for everyone. And this goes in with an email from uh, one of our listeners uh, has to do with how many people are in your marketing department? Um, if you're commenting in the Facebook group, just say your total um, sales goal for 2018 as an example. And then how many people are in your marketing department? And uh, this will tie into uh, Christy's question, which just was asking essentially is a very long email. I'll boil it down to what is the ideal marketing department set up for a builder with over 100 hmm. communities? My current staff is VP of marketing, a marketing specialist, a graphic designer who can also code an MLS coordinator an OSC who does uh, follow up on, on um, posting that's comments that are being done on, on ads. That's so there's five people internally. And then she also has three partners, uh, a second graphic designer they can outsource to a firm who works on content and SEO and a digital person who manages um, paid social ads. Wow. And wow. Um, that's a lot of people. A hundred communities is a lot of communities, though. Quite a bit. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. And so I think your total count um, here with five plus the outsourced is probably about right. Um, there are national home builders that I know who will have a single marketing person and a designer handling 12 to 13 divisions in a region for a national builder. Um, now, of course, they also have outside agencies who will do a lot of uh, legwork as well, but I think five full time people sounds good, but let me kind of back up and and just say to me, the the most important first hire in today's digital world is someone who can do design and strategy as your second hire. So if you're a smaller company, obviously you're going to be there first as the marketer who can do it all and and uh, gets gets buried mm -hmm. under all the requests. As soon as you're large enough to have a second person, someone who can edit the photos, make them look good, keep content updated on the website. Um, just all of those pieces and parts. But again, just understanding the Adobe family oh, yeah. of products to be able to make things happen without waiting on an outside party to always be doing that for you is absolutely huge. Just as fast as you need to be pumping out content and curating content. That's always been my first hire. And then from there, if you can hire your third hire should be someone who can handle what I call traffic flow, just making sure that everything is happening. Uh, all the inputs and outputs are the, all the inputs that are needed to get something done and that the outputs are being output when they should be to meet deadlines, as well as being able to, um, you know, actually do work themselves. But kind of that overall trap and that allows, you know, hire number one, the marketing director leader to start working on some higher level, larger projects. But that's kind of the building block. And then as you get bigger, um, you really depends on how much print work you're taking on uh, internally. If it's all digital, then you can yeah. you can stay pretty nimble for quite mm -hmm. a while. Uh, signage and print materials and sales office and model homes are where those other things start to happen. And so a field marketing person uh, that works in a regional basis could be a great fit there where someone who's just, you know, they're going around and visiting neighborhoods on a consistent basis, reviewing signage. Uh, all the new model home sales centers are assigned to them. Um, but for the most part, I would say outside of the top 
50 builders, it's it's rare to find a home builder that has yeah. more than two people on staff in that like top 100 to 250 size companies. It just one to two. Right. And the answer is usually what we end up seeing That's, that we're working with. Yeah. One to two. One to two. Exactly. It, it exactly. very technical abilities. Like it's not like they're always the same setup as far as like there's always the super nerd and the graphic designer. It's always it, it definitely varies quite a bit. Yep. As far as the, what and if there are, are more than two, Andrew, we typically find that those other people are, you know, extremely low paid employees who are essentially just busy work type people. They don't have great strategic uh, sense to act on their own. So they require a whole lot of management by an individual, which sometimes doesn't save you as much time as you think it does. Nope. Nope. Not at all. So hop on to the uh, Market Proof Marketing Facebook page or group and uh, give, let us know your, your information of how, how many people are in your department, how many people do you wish you had, and, um, and let's get some conversation going over there. Martha, we'll get your t-shirt out to you. Nice. And Andrew, let's, let's wrap up. If people want to find um, more good stuff from us and others at the Do You Convert team, where do they go? Yep. So for all of our published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, go to doyouconvert.com. And if you want to connect with uh, Kevin and I on Facebook, Instagram, I'm at Andrew Peak DYC. And Kevin, I don't have yours memorized. Is it just Kevin Oakley? Are you lucky enough to? I don't Kevin even know. Oakley? It's kind of like phone numbers oh, for man. people. I don't I don't know anyone's <laughs> phone number. I just type in their name. So uh, type my name in Google or again on the doconvert.com uh, site. Just click on our team and you'll be able to see all of our all of our socials. <laughs> our socials <laughs> just see all are, of our socials our grams, right there. Our, our tweeters, our Facebooks. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead and, and connect with us. Ask us questions. We love interacting with you guys. That's right. Hey, hopefully wherever you are, it is no longer snowing and it's going to be a fantastic week ahead. So enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next time. 